This is The Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. It is The Dugout. All Mariners from 1 to 2. And what a perfect day to get it started here after a fantastic win over the Angels. 9-1 to one to salvage the end of that series. Uh, they still dropped the series, though avoided a sweep. And now we're looking at the Mariners trying to wrap up and clinch a spot in the playoffs. Here to help us talk about this team, of course, just as she is every single Tuesday, Shannon Dreyer, Mariners insider on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Shannon, it sure was nice to see the offense take off yesterday. What felt like the different the difference uh, in that game? Well, I think we saw a couple of things. It was great to see J.P. Crawford just get the double right off the bat and then hit the triple. He's somebody that I don't know if a struggle is the right way to put it because he's kind of been in the same spot offensively for a long time. That's just where he is. But when he's needed at the top of the order with Julio Rodriguez out, it was just great to even just see that first leadoff hit of the game. And then, of course, Ty France. Uh, with the double and the home run. And what's significant, I think I've got an insider running about it right now, is is his success followed change. So you're hoping that he is starting to turn things around because he's been in pretty much a horrendous slump, be it the wrist, be it something else, since the All-Star break. So I think those were two positives. And, of course, Carlos Santana stepping up, doing what he does. It seems like you know when the chips are down, that's when he is more likely than not to come through the way that he did yesterday. So that was a lot of fun, too. Shannon Logan with another great performance. We've seen him hit 9Ks uh, several times now, but obviously 11Ks career high yesterday. Is there anything when he's on the mound that gives you an indication that it might be a good day for him? Well, he was in a favorable situation with a number of lefties in the lineup. His fastball, particularly in his last couple of times, has been on. It's always good, but when there's a little bit extra, when he's getting the rise on it, when he is maybe even a, a tiny bit more velocity with the extension that he has, with the movement of that fastball, with kind of the illusion that it has against the lefties, that can make him that much better. And it really reminded me yesterday, uh, he had some outings last year where he could almost get by with that fastball alone. The slider was pretty good yesterday. He did get his swings and misses, but the fastball was, uh, you know, I think one of his best that we have seen these outings before when he has it like that. And I saw that early from him and he had a good feeling about it. All right. Our conversation with Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer is powered by Pacific Lamp and Supply. You're listening to The Dugout. We're speaking with Shannon right now. Um, Shannon, we were talking about some playoff scenarios earlier today. Um, I'm not going to ask you to try to project where the Mariners might end up or all the different scenarios. But what I do want to know is, in your opinion, as someone who knows this team very well, uh, do you think the Mariners match up a bit better against Cleveland or against a team like the Rays or the Blue Jays? Well, First and foremost, I would love to see, you know, three wild card games, preferably two in Seattle. It's one thing to make it, but man, the fans want to be able to go. They want it to be in their city. So I'm hoping for that number one wild card spot. If they don't get one, I am hoping it is three for two reasons. You don't want them traveling to either Tampa or Toronto. Neither is easy travel. Uh, those are buildings where uh, I think uh, in particular uh, both teams actually play very well. Uh, Tampa has not been a good matchup for them all year. Toronto is very hot right now, even though they have played well against Toronto this year. 
So I, I would just assume at that point you're going to, to Cleveland and you're taking on the AL Central winner, particularly with the success that they have just had against them. Now, Cleveland has kind of caught fire since the Mariners left town, but uh, I, I think that you saw enough of them, you got a good enough book on them, and you saw that your stuff plays against them well. I, I think that if you had to, if you were not in that top spot and Tampa or Toronto was coming to Seattle, then I would just assume see them in the three spot facing hopefully Cleveland. I mean, Chicago is not completely out of this as of yet, but I I would probably in that situation take Cleveland. Shannon, we obviously are always looking at what other teams are doing, what the wild card race is looking like. How closely do you think the players and and the skip and everyone involved um, follow this race and what's going on? Oh, sure. They watch it every day. I mean, they are focused on winning the game in front of them, but they watch it every day. And I don't think it's anything more than, you know, I think they probably watch it a lot like we do. I don't think they put too much thought into it. They're going to play who was ever in front of them. And I do know that they very much want that top wild card spot and that they would like to have those games at home. But um, you never get anybody saying that it isn't something that they're paying attention. You know, years past, you might get that. But uh, I think guys are able to watch it and not have that be a distraction, especially because the confidence that this team has. I mean, they've had this confidence from the start. It's taken a while for us to have that confidence in them, but there is no question that they've had it. So I think for them, the postseason has almost been a foregone conclusion for a long, long time. So uh, I don't think they put too much thought into who that opponent is going to be, but there's no reason not to watch it for them. We already know that Gino Suarez has been placed on the 10-day injured list, um, but sometimes coming back isn't that simple. Uh, based on what you know and, and what you've heard, Shannon, um, what would Gino still have to be able to do? What was he struggling with? And do you personally expect to see him back on this roster by the end of the regular season? I think it's probably going to be very close to the end of the regular season, and I'm not sure if we're going to see him in the field. I think he finds a way to get back uh, to the plate and that he is going to be able to DH for this team. I think that with a fracture in that fingertip, you've got to have that fingertip to throw a baseball. And so along those lines, I think it's going to be tough for him to come back uh, in the field. But uh, I'm optimistic that he will find a way to get back up to the plate. And so I think perhaps we'll learn a little bit more about that today. I do. Uh, he did see the specialist tomorrow or yesterday, from what I understand. And we have definitely seen different guys working out at third base. And if they don't tell us what the prognosis is, I think we'll probably have a good idea by who we see working out at third base. Is it going to be a short-term option or are they looking to do things for longer term? And I think the personnel kind of uh, what you see working out over there will kind of uh, indicate which direction they're going with that. What would be an example of what looks like a longer-term solution? Well, it depends if... um, if you were looking, if, if Suarez is completely out, and I don't think that's going to happen, I would think we might see more of Ty France at first base and open up, uh, I'm sorry, at third base mm-hmm. and open up first base for Santana. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that that is kind of the last thing that they want to do is put somebody over there, put Ty over there permanently. Now, the good news is, is Abraham Toro has actually looked okay over there the last couple of days. So, I mean, they might be in a case where they're able to plant him there and keep Ty France at first base. 
Um, the other thing I've got a lot of questions about, well, why isn't Dylan Moore over there? I think Dylan Moore is your kind of, I think he's one of your outfielders right now. So I, I think that they prefer to leave him out there, although he definitely can play third base, play a very good defense at third base as well. So I, I think that, you know, all things considered, they probably, probably rather just be able to plant Ty at first base, but you got to look at what their options are. And if Suarez isn't able to play in the field, then they're going to be doing a lot of mix and matching over there, you know, there, and it won't just be uh, the opposition and the pitchers that they're facing. I think it will actually be more reliant on who the Mariners are starting and who the better defender is, depending on who is on the hill for the Mariners, particularly in the postseason, because you're going to be playing lower scoring games and that defense, I think it's going to be that much more important. Mariners hopped on a plane, flew up north to Oakland. They got Castillo on the mound facing Sears. What type of threat does Oakland pose right now? What's just the the overall state of the A's right now? What type of threats threat are they? Sorry. Well, not a really good one right now. You know, they're they're in that we see them in this kind of state every few years where they've definitely decided that they're going to rebuild. They're going to take a step back, and it's going to be a few years uh, before they are in contention again. So as far as the Mariners go, I I think that any lefty you see is is good because that gives you more exposure to them, and that has been something that has been a challenge. We certainly saw that in Anaheim, particularly pitchers with the the breaking ball, the left-handed pitchers with a good breaking ball has been a challenge for them. So, you know, I I think that these kind of games are games where the Mariners are going to be more focused on what they're doing. I, I don't think as far as wins and losses go, um, you know, you're going to have a surprise with any team. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think some teams, I think we'll probably see this a little bit more with Kansas City where there are just more players that are more unknowns because it is that time of the year and they are kind of looking at guys. You can't call up guys that you did uh, in previous years and, and have that roster of 30, 40, 35 players. But you can take a look at players who perhaps haven't played a lot and uh, see where they are. And not being in the same division, you just you don't have the looks against them. The Mariners are very familiar with the A's. They are very familiar with playing in that building. So I think that this is a, a great series for them just to try and continue to get back on track after that hiccup in um, Anaheim. And also uh, kind of get on track and get comfortable with where they are knowing because I think that they will know if they don't know right now what the situation with Suarez is. So maybe a little bit of a redirect in the series will be most important. Do you um, get the impression and have you gotten the impression uh, from talking with players that the playoff drought is, um, is adding any kind of extra pressure? I don't know how else to phrase this other than they're just in such an interesting spot and, um, And while the players aren't old enough, many of them, you know, not from the area, not old enough to experience it, whatever it is, I do wonder if it becomes a factor in the playoffs as they continue. I think it does, but as a motivation. Mm -hmm. I think they're very aware of it. I've heard, you know, going back to the minor leagues the last few years and talking to players down there, they wanted to be the ones who came up and ended the streak. There's a pride. They want to bring it to the fans in Seattle. Talked to Carlos Santana on the field in his walk-off interview. He brought it up. He said, 21 years is too long. Let's do this. It's time. You know, it's on their mind, and I think that it's more of a feather in their cap and something that they're going to enjoy when it happens rather than something that is going to slow them down. For me, when I look at pressure with this group, I think it's going to be the kind of pressure that hits that they just don't see coming. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you have that rookie who goes out on the first, uh, you know, for his first start on the mound and he's fine in the bullpen and he's fine running out and I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And he gets the ball in his hand and just kind of ever, you know, all of a sudden can't breathe. And it's that kind of thing that you don't see coming. I think that there might be a moment of that when they get to the postseason. But this is an extremely confident group and not just confident in their own performances, but that of those around them that I I don't think leading up into this there's going to be a pressure and if any kind of pressure hits I think it'll just kind of be that momentary you know there was nothing you could do about it this was bound to happen it's it's kind of the moment and until you get into it you don't feel it but I do believe it's something that they should be able to put behind them pretty quickly yeah that makes sense it's it's not the weight of the postseason it's the lack of experience that jumps at you when you get there Right. And, 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 you know, once that's behind you, it's behind you. It's like right. the first time you flip on the microphone, you know, you're as prepared as you can be, but the moment it goes live, you know, that's when you get that adrenaline rush that there's nothing you can do about it at that point. You didn't see it coming. I got this. I got this. I got this. And then it, it's a big moment. I think it happens to a lot of people in a lot of different um, situations. And, you know, it's a physical reaction, but they also have the skills to kind of slow that down. So I, I don't think they can do anything else to kind of prepare for for it at this point, and I don't think it impacts them going down the stretch. I think they just keep playing. Shannon, what's the latest on Julio? Uh, we're hoping to see him today. I'm hoping it was a good sign that we saw him in the dugout a lot more yesterday and on the field after the two previous days he had been in getting treatment during the game. So, um, you know, for him, they were interesting comments that it wasn't kind of anything particular that caused the back to flare up. He thinks it was September as he put it. And he, of course, has never played this deep in a season before coming from the minor leagues and having the shortened seasons and everything else. So uh, I, you know, I don't think that there is anything that anybody is concerned about, you know, long-term with him on this. And uh, I think the expectation is he'll be in that lineup today, but I don't know anything, you know, for sure on that. Hey, Shannon, I recognize that there are many possible answers to this question, so I won't hold you to this. But what is, um, What's one question that just as an analyst, as a reporter, you still have about this team that you feel like you don't quite have the answer to when it comes to projecting how far they could go in the playoffs? Oh, wow. Um, well, you know, it's the offense. And, and I think that the ability to manufacture a run, a run, they have had it at times this season. I don't think they've had it as much in the last month in particular. Uh, you know, I think that they have kind of come to terms with we are a home run hitting team, which is great. But being able to, you know, get a guy on, get him over and get him in when you need to. I don't think that we've ever seen consistency on that within the season. And I think that they're equipped to do that. We just have not always seen it. And I think in particular in the last month, we've seen it a little bit more. So, you know, that would be, I don't know if the question is the right word for that, but the concern going forward. Hey, Shannon, in your, in your opinion, what is more impressive judge going for 60 or Albert Pujols hitting 700? Oh, wow. Um, probably, judge what he's doing, um, especially when you consider, you know, how long the Maris record has stood and also what snuck up on us this weekend in that you're also considering he very well could win the triple crown. So, uh, you know, for me and to do it under, you know, to do it the way that he has done it, betting on himself, turning down the offer from the Yankees earlier in the season 
And, uh, I, you know, you, you get kind of a, a smile on your face. And I think you like twisting the knife a little bit with the Yankees saying, you know, hey, look what you did and the possibility of what could come up uh, in this offseason. But, um, you know, by all everything that I've heard and, and limited interactions, he's a good guy. He's a good guy to cheer for. I like how he's kind of doing this all with a smile on his face, knowing what's to come as well. So for me, and he's carried that team. You know, when you look at the MVP race, and Shohei Otani has done some very impressive things, but where would the Yankees be right. when they had that horrific slide in the second half and they were like 15 and 26 at some point with Judge hitting all the bombs he did? Where would they be if he didn't do that then? Um, I think what he is doing is incredibly, incredibly uh, impressive, although I am very much enjoying Albert you know, chasing 700 and doing it in a Cardinals uniform. I think that's great. All right. She is Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. Follow her at Shannon Dreyer. Read her work at seattlesports.com. And, of course, you can hear her every single Tuesday during the dugout. Thanks, Shannon. You got it, guys. All right. Let's get to some MLB headlines here. And I want to jump back to that MVP conversation, the AL MVP conversation, that is. Now, really interesting point I saw yesterday from Brent Stecker, who's an editor, editor for SeattleSports.com, saying, look, I know the conversation is between Aaron Judge. I know that it's between Shohei Otani. And you can make the case for Otani, but Judge has been a better pure hitter. He's also been the most important part to his team. I, I'm sorry, but I think, look, the bar keeps getting raised for Shohei Otani. That said, Aaron Judge has been better at the plate this year in almost every single category. Aaron Judge is a monster. He is a football tight end DN playing baseball, and he can crush it, right? And for him to do what he's doing in the era he's doing it in, right, where they're testing for PEDs and steroids and all that good stuff, and yet he's going yard. But I look at Shohei Otani, I'm like, no one's done this. We're, we're seeing this guy on the mound in the batter's box, and he is performing at such a high level. Just because I haven't seen it in my lifetime, um, it makes it even more impressive to me. Now, yes, I grew up in an era where every, we had four or five guys hitting 55, 60 home runs. We know why they were doing it, but I've seen that before. I, I lean towards the guy who is doing something very unique, and who knows when we'll see something like this again, because eventually he's going to have to stop pitching, right? Eventually the arm's going to go and maybe he'll just be at, um, at, yeah. at strictly a batter. PH, so yeah. I mess with uh, I'm going with Shohei, man. I mean, I hear you. Uh, Shohei, seventh in ERA, uh, still Verlander leading the pack there. And then uh, he's eighth in uh, in OPS, uh, which I know, like, there's uh, plenty of other categories where he's been absolutely phenomenal. I just can't get over, I mean, 60 home runs. Aaron Judge with 59 right now, but 60 home runs, uh, 1,100 OPS, it's just what he's doing is just unreal. And I am not one to credit a Yankee ever. <laughs> Curtis, you got to settle it for us. I'm going Aaron Judge, Bumko and Shohei, AL MVP. I mean, Judge's season is so out there in terms of home run totals. I mean, only what, like three or four guys have ever hit more home runs than he's hit in a, se- in a single season. But then again, I mean, Shohei Otani is in an entirely different category. I mm-hmm. mean, he is one of the best hitters and one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Whereas Aaron judge just does it in one facet. I, I, I do think we are kind of getting bored with how amazing Shohei Otani is and how unique his skill set is where I think people will be looking for any other excuse now to not vote him as made as AL MVP going forward, just because it's almost a given that, yeah, he is the most valuable player throughout any season because he does it with the bat and he does it as one of the best starting pitchers in all baseball. Mm -hmm. I would vote Shohei Otani. 
because I'm not bored by his greatness yet. (laughs) (laughs) But Aaron Judge, I mean... I think there is no wrong answer in who you give it to, but I am a, I'm going Shohei. Okay. I accept. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Um, with their loss yesterday, the Angels were officially eliminated from postseason contention. Do you guys see think we see much change there? Also, uh, noted by one of my friends that they haven't made it to the playoffs since Jerry DePoto was, <laughs> was last there. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Which, I mean, hey, correlation. Maybe. Yeah. No. I don't see much changing. Angels are the angels. They are who they are. Their fan base is their fan base. They've wasted two remarkable talents over there. Uh, there's no. They've shown me no reason to believe otherwise. You know yeah. what I mean? Just like how everyone on the East sleeps on the Mariners because we haven't shown them any other reason to think otherwise. That's probably why we don't get all the pub that we feel we deserve. They're, I look at the, the angels and I think the same thing. Like, why should I believe in anything else? Yeah. Um, a quick question here from the Mac and Jack's text line. The 425 says, hey, it's been a while, but how does MLB format work for the postseason after best of three? Is it best of five, two, two, one? How do they alternate? Uh, yes, it still is best of five in the divisional round series. I know that they did a little bit of changing to the postseason format. Um, it's uh, the home field advantage initially goes to the higher seed, I believe. So still two, two, one, starting with the higher seed in the divisional series, correct? Yes. And then in the LCS, it LCS and World Series, it's 2-3-2 two, two in a best-of-seven scenario. Yeah. But otherwise, still the same. I know it's expanded uh, with an additional wild card, but most of the formatting remains the same. Um, the number four overall seed, a.k.a. number one wild card, hosts the entirety of the three-game series, I believe. Um, so that's pretty much all that's changed. It's just the new wild card, but yep. good question. Still a good question. Uh, Stacy with a huff of disapproval. Yeah, but it's only because I recognize that, like, it's a great argument. I, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate and say that what Aaron Judge has done is phenomenal. That's not the devil's advocate argument. The devil's advocate argument is that it is worthy of being MVP over what Shohei Otani is doing, yeah. which is like nothing we've seen before. The best part about it is when she goes, I accept. I accept. <laughs> I accept. All right. The Skip joins us next for the Scott Service Show. You are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. All right, we are uh, getting to the Scott Service Show here. As a reminder, the Scott Service Show brought to you by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett. The Skip joining us now. Scott, how's it going? Doing great in lovely Oakland today. How are you guys? Uh, we are fantastic, and I, I apologize in advance because I'm going to ask you a question that you're going to get over and over and over, but I got to do it, which is, how's Julio? It took you 10 seconds to get to that. <laughs> I mean, I asked you how you were. Of course I care, Scott. Of course I care. Talk show hosting, talk shows, how to do this? I mean, come on. I was so welcoming. I brought you in. I I, I was going to ask maybe, is it sunny in Oakland? What's the weather like? How's the office they gave you? I have all those questions, too. What'd you watch last night to pass your time? (laughs) Okay, we'll get right to the Julio question. Um, (laughs) That's what I thought. You'd rather have that one. Yeah, no. um, (laughs) Julio is tentatively in the lineup for tonight and, uh, you know, just got over to the ballpark a little bit ago. He's going to go through. Uh, you know, some get some treatment and kind of get worked up and see how he feels. And, you know, there is a good chance he could play tonight. There's also a chance he may not play, but we'll probably officially make that decision around 4 o'clock today. But we're hopeful to get him back in there. Uh, he certainly, you know, means the world to us uh, doing his thing in center field and at the top of our lineup. But 
also want to be smart and make sure he's 100%, as close as he can get to 100% this time of year before we run him out there. So we um we saw Ty France, man, uh, play some good baseball last time he was out. And he mentioned that he did something to his swing. How difficult is that to, to tweak a swing so late in the season? Because, you know, we've heard these pitchers adding pitches to the repertoire. Um, but with the Mariners, I haven't heard of that yet. So you know, what's, the, what's the difficult then? Is it difficult at all or am I overreacting? You're overreacting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I just have to have a little fun with you today. Scott but, with uh, guns blazing 100, today. <laughs> 100 Scott all the time. It's, it's, uh, guys are always, you know, making, trying to make minor little adjustments, you know, to get their timing right. And, you know, some guys, the time to get out of whack. And that's why, you know, we've got really good hitting coaches that are on top of it, looking at video all the time. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll notice something. Hey, this is when you were going really well. This is what it looked like. Here's kind of what you've been doing lately. Uh, but I say all that. It, it's just minor little adjustments guys will make. But at the end of the day, it really comes down, and it always will come down to swinging at the right pitches. You know, if you control the strike zone, you get pitches that you can handle, uh, you're going to have a chance to have better results. And, you know, Ty really swung the bat well yesterday, which was a great sign. Uh, hit a couple balls right on the, on the screws and then hit the home run later in the game. So we definitely need to get him going and uh, hopefully carries over to today for, for what he did yesterday. Hey, out of curiosity, I know you've mentioned in press conferences before, obviously how close this team is and, and how much Gino means. Um, is he still able to hang around uh, you guys and be in the clubhouse and help keep that culture alive? You're talking about Gino, I'm sorry? Yeah, Gino, Gino Suarez. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Gino's been here. I mean, he did go see a specialist uh, yesterday. Uh, just to make sure, uh, you know, the initial findings, not anything we do get the healing process. Um, so he's back with us. He got back into Oakland last night, arrived just after we did here. He'll be with us every day, hooting and hollering and doing his whistling and talking smack from the dugout like he always does. <laughs> Scott, before um, Carlos Santana was on the team, man, I didn't know much about him, but my perception of him now is just he's a guy who's going to give good at-bats and come through clutch. He's had a lot of clutch moments this year. Was that the scouting report on him before you guys acquired him? Well, the makeup on Carlos has always been outstanding. Every team he's ever been on or people that have played with him, managers or coaches that have dealt with him have always raved about his makeup. You know, this guy comes to play every day. He's very prepared. Uh, you know, and he's, he has experience. He's been on teams that have made it to the World Series, and he understands what it's like and how to prepare, getting ready for a big games down the stretch run. So um, he's been an awesome addition to our team. It really, since we have first acquired him, uh, the late-inning home runs he has hit. Uh, but – I keep talking about too what he does behind the scenes is really, really valuable for us. And, uh, you know, I love grand slams. I love home runs mm-hmm. as much as anybody, but, you know, on a consistent basis, even the days he's not hitting the home runs, he does add things to our ball club that maybe, you know, the normal fam doesn't see. What are some of those things, at least that you can share with us? Obviously, there are yeah. things that just as a clubhouse you guys want private. Yeah, no, I think talking to players, and no matter where they're at in their career, you know, some guys you go through. You know, little slumps, mini slumps, things aren't going your way. You don't feel good at the play. Your body's wore down. And, you know, having a player that's willing to share his experiences and things that he has done to help him get himself through that, it only helps. And I've often said players are going to listen to players oftentimes more than they're going to listen to the coach or manager. You know, they're, they're living it with them. They're locked up next to them. Um, and, and Carlos has been a great resource for all of our players. Scott's a long season for you guys, 162 games. And when you have moments like you did the other day when you're, when you're out, three of your guys you depend on, um, is there something that you have to say to the team? Or do they just know what to do, man? No, no motivation needed. They're going to show up and perform when they need to. 
Yeah, it's just so different than football bump. You know, everybody, you know, you lose a key player, your quarterback goes down or, you know, stud defensive player, whatever, but you're playing once a week and you can kind of do the rally cry. I think the fact that we play every day and these guys are so dialed into each other and, and how the other guys are feeling. And, and when you lose a guy like that, you really don't need to do win-win for the Gipper speeches because if you do that too many times throughout the course of the season. It just goes on deaf ears. And with right. our team, need to. Everybody understands where we're at. We've had a really nice season to this point. we still got work to do to finish this thing off and get in the playoffs. And it's not something I have to get up and talk to guys about. They know it. Our guys are coming to the ballpark early, getting prepared, looking at scouting reports, getting their mindset, getting their bodies right, to go out and win every night. And, and I talked about it earlier. We could only play one game per day. I wish we could play six today because I'd be all in. <laughs> you know, let's just line them up. But you play one a day and, and focus on winning that one particular game and then see where it goes from there. And so there's no really – you know, at this time in the season to do the rah-rah speech or anything like that, whether you're going good or whether you're going bad, our guys understand where we're at. Was there a time in the season where you felt like you needed to, to have that speech? Yeah. Not going to tell me when, huh? It was probably when we were like 10 games below 500. And <laughs> <laughs> you think you could guess. We weren't looking so good, but, you know, in those moments, uh, you know, I try to keep things in perspective and yeah. instead of, I've always felt it was better the team meetings that I was in as a player that instead of the, the head coach or the manager getting up and talking to the team, I thought it was way more impactful if the team actually mm-hmm. talked. Right. Get the players to talk. The, the game's about the players and, and, and how they're feeling, and, and that's what I try to do in those moments. Mm-hmm. As, okay, so that's something you learned about just from your experience as a player. Is there anything you've learned and changed in your approach from just your experience as a manager that you didn't learn until you became a manager? Oh, yeah, I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, of course. But I guess specifically in terms of, like, how how you manage people, like the players as people. Yeah. No no question. I think it really starts with my coaching staff. Uh, our guys do an awesome job of really being in touch with our players on a daily basis. You know, our pitching guys have been phenomenal in the programs they've put together, you know, with our guys. And the same could be said for our, our hitting coaches. And, you know, really relying on those guys and kind of getting out of the way and letting those guys do their job. Um, because the one thing, you know, when, when you're managing a club or you're overseeing a, an entire coaching staff, you know, you really cannot micromanage. you got to let the people do their job. Our guys do an outstanding job. I can't say enough uh, how lucky I am to have the group I have with me right now. They're, they're young, they're energetic, they're very creative, and they know how to, uh, you know, relate to the player. So we've got a good group there, and I really lean on the coaches a lot, probably more than I ever have. Mm. Scott, it's our job to overreact and, and, and blow things up. I never do that. No, of course, not us. Uh, but you got about 16, 17 games left. It, do you guys feel any type of pressure, or do you think your team, because of the leadership you speak about, do a good job of just staying in the moment and uh, staying even cool? Yeah, I'm going to give you the boring answer, okay? Just take it a day at a time, day Bob. we got time. two games today, you know. <laughs> I know nobody wants to hear that, but it's, it's the absolute truth. And, uh you know, as, as pressure, all this other stuff, I just know that, you know, we've got to go out and beat the Oakland A's tonight. We've got Luis Castillo on the hill, and anytime he takes the mound, I feel really good about our chances. All right. Well, I figured you'd have a, a very measured approach to that question, but I think what we've quickly learned is that's part of the key to the season, right? So We're just going to get you to say it every interview, Scott, one day at a time. Remind, one day at a remind time. us and the people. We're going to forget regularly. Uh, all right. Well, Skip, I know I jumped right into the Julio question. I did not end up asking you about your time in Oakland and, and the amenities there at the clubhouse. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have time, but I do hope they're nice. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Good luck in this Thanks, one, Skip. Scott. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Have a good day. See ya. All right. And that was the Scott Service Show brought to you by Pizza Hut.
with support from Mazda of Everett. You are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station. We are wrapping things up with Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. You are listening to The Dugout, all Mariners 1 to 2. We're wrapping things up with Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims, who joins us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. And Dave, first of all, how are you? Doing very well. Thank you. I feel like the anchor man on a relay team here. <laughs> Going to bring it home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, I. I'm going to get started uh, with obviously talking about the bats heating up yesterday. Dave, we have this horrible habit, Bump and I, of talking about how we're worried about the Mariners offense. And then immediately in the next game, they get like seven runs or nine runs. And they're making us look like idiots here. Um, but, but what worked in this one? All, all, all encompassing answer. That's baseball. That's how it rolls. <laughs> exactly. And, you, you know, again, every time. You think you have a handle on it or any time, especially a good team. Like if you got a bad team, you know, Oakland's 53 and 94. You know, you don't look for them maybe to turn it around. But this team has had small bumps in the road and they figured things out. Somebody stepped to the four. I mean, it certainly didn't. It couldn't have looked any worse the other day. You lose uh, Gino and Julio and Cal. And then Carlos Santana, I heard you talking to Skip about that, Mm -hmm. about him. I mean, this is one of the real experienced guys, smart guy. Uh, I, I also applaud him for his, you know, English isn't his first language, and he has done so well with that. And I think he just, he is just so good with the media, and obviously he communicates well with his with his uh, teammates. So I just think it's, you know, this is the kind of year, the kind of team. When you see them do this, it shows the kind of character that they have, and it does. And bump, you know, this it takes character to have, you know have a good bunch of dudes. If you got a bunch of bad dudes, this isn't going to happen. If you got a good bunch of dudes, good chance it's going to happen. Yeah, Dave, going off of that, you know, I look at Carlos Santana, and he gives me, like, good vibes, you know what I mean? And, and growing sure. up, there was always that kid who you knew was going to make the shot, who's going to hit the ball whenever you need it. Just by being around him, you kind of feel it. When you're around um, Carlos Santana, does he give you that, that type of feeling? How did, What's this whole vibe like? Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, and I think that the fact that they, the Mariners have done so well uh, swinging a bat in terms of home runs since August 1, and the number here is 69 home runs since August 1. The Mariners are now fourth in the American League behind the Yankees, Houston, and Texas, and just ahead of Toronto in hitting home runs. And, and then you lose, you lost 81 home runs in those three dudes, and Gino, Julio, and uh, Cal. And he steps to the four and then uh, makes it happen. And, you know, two, two, was it two games, uh, two, two home run games uh, in the last few days against the Angels. You know, a team that has been a pain in the butt to the Mariners. I mean, the Mariners finish up what uh, let's see, nine and ten against them, and on paper you'd think it would be you know significantly more than that. So you need, like you said, you need guys like that. You know, growing up in a the neighborhood, there was guys like that. Hey man, even the games pick them, playing twenty one or something, you want to stay on the court. I got to get it to that guy. <laughs> Uh, Dave, yes, they have an easier schedule towards the rest of the season, but this team still has some obstacles. Um, What are one or two things they've still got to figure out? You know, I'm not looking. Here's here's the obstacle. When you say that they have the weakest schedule remaining on uh, remaining, Mm -hmm. and I said that uh, once or twice on the air about a week, 10 days ago, my, I got home. My wife was all over me. You st- still got to play the game. And I was like, you know what? Mea yeah. culpa. You were correct. <laughs> Here's the other thing. And, and, and bumping, I'm sure you know this too. 
if you're having a bad year and somebody comes in and having a good year and looks like they're getting ready to do something, your motivation goes up a notch or two. Hey man, I want to knock these cats off. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what the Mariners are going to be, are going to be facing here with the Oakland ball club. I mean, you know, they have not exactly blown their doors in and, um, and and I think that's that was one of the things that did sort of surprise me yesterday when Trout wasn't in the lineup. But you know you want to preserve Mike Trout. I mean the Mariners on the season, they're eight and five against Oakland, four and two here, three and three at home. You know they got to feast on these cats and you know get them get them down early, put them away early in the first half of the game, and then cruise the rest of the way. And then you know we can you know slow walk into the playoffs and not have uh, high anxiety. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. Hey, Dave, during this, this stretch, is there something that you need to see from the Mariners to reassure you that um, they're a good ball club or a ball club that's capable of winning some games in the playoffs? Or, or do you, it's more so just continuing to do what you've been doing all year? Uh, Dandy Don Meredith, God rest his soul. That's what the date you, you brought, you know, you came with. Just keep pitching, bullpenning, hitting home runs, if you can get some of the guys at the bottom of the order, uh, you know, Toro's getting an opportunity to play while Gino's out. If he can start smacking the ball around the yard, Haggerty, uh, I'm not worried about Dylan Moore, Santana. We've talked about Ty Francis figured some things out. Hanniger it's going well with JP. I mean, I just think uh, the, the biggest thing right now is get, get these cats healthy, get them back in. It's a great group. And, uh, just keep doing what you're doing, you know, doing what, what, what got you to this point. And that's, you know, pitching and defense and, and timely hitting. What are we looking at with, uh, with Cal here? He's the one I keep forgetting about as, tr- as far as health goes. Well, you know, uh, thumb, you, you know, you get a jam thumb as a catcher. That's murder. Cause you're going to be mm. catching dudes, you know, that are pumping, you know, 95 to 100, 304 miles an hour. That may take a while to heal or, or to get back to, to speed. They say he's able to swing it a, a lot better left-handed than right-handed, but it's a catching, and, and you, you know, want him in that lineup. I mean, the guy's provided tremendous pop. He's been one of the great stories on the ball club this year with all the home runs and everything, and was it 23 home runs, 20 from the left side. So you want him in that lineup. Um, so it, it, you hope that all the therapies that he's going through will, will uh, speed up the process and he can be back uh, sooner rather than later. What's your feel of the uh, the rotation right now? We've seen some good performances so far. Obviously, we have Castillo on the mound tonight. Still good vibes over there, huh? Dude, he is. That the whole rotation's been phenomenal. I mean, Marcus pitched to some some hard luck. You know, George and Logan. I mean, two young studs. You know, Luis and uh, and Robbie at the you know at the top. I mean, everywhere we go, talking to our broadcast colleagues and talking to other players and coaches, and say, hey man, we like your ball club. Love your pitching. I mean, Terry Francona, hey, that's the best pitching we've seen this year. It all, it, you know, everything that we've seen to this point, they've done a hell of a job, and they just got to, you know, keep it going. And the other thing we keep hearing, too, is with that pitching staff and with that hot bullpen, you guys are a team that the teams don't want to face in the playoffs. Mm. You know, it's uh, – pitching and defense has won a lot of teams' championships over the years. I mean, a lot of times you get teams that can bash the ball all over the place. They don't always win it. But the team that, you know, like I said, fourth in home runs and the pitching has been just so good starting and bullpenning. Um, those are those are great ingredients to ride into the playoffs with. 
All right, he is Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims, uh, bat and cleanup in the dugout today. Knocked it out of the park on that one, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Anytime, gang. Be well. Take care. All right, this has been the dugout. A final thought in 10 seconds. Really cool to hear Dave talk about other broadcasters that they run into on the road noticing what's going on in Seattle. That's yeah. when you know you got a good team when they're like, ooh, I wouldn't want to run into them. And can I just say, Dave's a cool cat, man. He's really cool. He's a cool cat. Appreciate him. Thank you to Dave. Thank you, obviously, to the Skip Scott Service. Thank you to Shannon Dreyer for joining us on The Dugout. This has been The Dugout every single Tuesday, 1 to 2, all Mariners. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming your way next.